Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, taking a break from watching Law & Order reruns to bring you another episode of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast, which focuses primarily on Atlanta United and whatever else happens to pop into my old and feeble brain. Atlanta United is 1-0 after defeating San Jose 2-1 last week at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in front of 68,000 of my closest announced friends. It will host Toronto, which is 0-1, on Saturday, again at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Kickoff is going to be 7.39 p.m. That is 7.39 p.m. You can watch the game on Apple. This week, to remind you, you must subscribe to the MLS channel on Apple TV if you want to watch the game, if you're not going. The last week was free. This week will not be free. So if you have an interest in doing that, if you're not there, you've got to sign up for Apple. And to go ahead and... Answer this question before it's asked. No, Yurgos Yakamakis does not have his visa yet. The team is hoping he will get it on Friday, at least by Friday. And then manager Gonzalo Pineda said he'll have some discussions with Yurgos if he's going to be fit, available to make the game day roster ahead of the match. So in the rest of this podcast, you're going to hear from Pineda. You're going to hear from Franco Ibarra. You're going to hear from Miguel Berry. You're going to hear from Miles Robinson. You're going to unfortunately hear a lot from me as I answer your many, many excellent questions about the Major League Soccer team. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Doug Robertson. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, on Instagram at Douglas David Robinson, or out and about walking around Midtown. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Now, Let's get on to the sound bites. Franco Ibarra started at defense midfielder, which I think and he thinks are his natural position uh, for Atlanta United. Played well in the 2-1 win against San Jose. He had a lot of good tackles. He missed a couple of tackles, but that's to be expected. But here's Ibarra talking about what he can improve upon through the translator, Justin. I think that goes game by game, so one is always trying to, to improve uh, and, and do things, but it's based on how the, the game is going, um, so we'll, we'll take that a game at a time. Now, Albara played as a defensive midfielder or a six. He's also, in the past couple of seasons, played as an eight, which is the central midfielder kind of tasked with bringing the defense to the offense or the offense to the defense, whatever it might be. Last year, Vice President Carlos Bocanegra told us that the team sees Abara as an eight, which was kind of stunning, I guess, for lack of a better word, to some of us, because Abara 
to us doesn't look like a an eight. He he enjoys tackling. He's not the quickest cat, but once once he puts a tackle on you, you feel it. And so he talked about his role that he sees himself playing under Pineda this year, and then about Pineda kind of describing him, for lack of a better term, this is my, me paraphrasing, kind of as the hammer in the midfield and Mateus Huzatu Huzetu being the more cerebral player. Well, now I'm playing as a six uh, compared to last season where I was playing as more of an eight. So I think for me, it's it's more of a, a natural role playing as that six. Yeah, I think everyone knows the, the qualities that I bring as a player. I think uh, me as a number six, it's important for me to, to make my presence known in, in the middle of the field so that players on the opposing team, they know, uh, they know that I'm there. And then I wanted to get his take on... Almada's free kick, the one that won the game, and how many chances it would take him to hit that free kick. We also, not to take anything away from the free kick because it won the game, it was incredibly difficult. I think San Jose's goalkeeper, if you were to watch it back, would probably think wish he'd done a couple of things a little bit differently. But Abara gave a great answer to the question about how many chances it would take him to hit that same free kick. ¿Cómo? Ah, sí, bueno, uno siempre eh, tiene que saber eso. There were three new faces for Atlanta United that came on against San Jose. Miguel Berry was one, Derek Etienne was another, and Luis Abram was the third. We got to talk to Barry this week. He'd been training with the team less than a week after he was acquired in a trade from D.C. United. So I asked him if he just kind of felt like he was running around out there just trying to make something happen. No, I mean, I, I knew what he wanted and more what the game called for. Okay. Um, the, obviously, it's very tough, I mean, to be essentially six weeks behind. Um, but, you know, I think what the game called for was, was uh, you know, occupation of center backs and just being in the box. Obviously, you need a goal. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, obviously, I don't think that's the end product we're looking for of, of you know, what the final product of what we want is going to look like. But, um, you know, I think it'll evolve and it'll take time. And like I was saying, the season's very long. So, you know, there, there's, there's going to be an integration period. And, and I think we're all aware of that. Uh, Barry played well enough when he was with Columbus that the crew felt like they could trade Giazzi's artists to Colorado. And so they did. But then, you know, the whole Columbus franchise kind of fell on some hard times last season. The crew traded Barry to DC United. Uh, I'm sorry, two years ago. The crew traded Barry to DC United, and and that didn't really work as well for him. Um, didn't score any goals for DC United, and then was traded to Atlanta United, where he said he thinks he can get back to doing some of the things that worked so well for him when he was with Columbus. And here's him talking about what he brings to the Five Stripes. You know, traditionally, I've I bring good link-up play. Um, you know, I, I like to combine. That's that's something I, I do, and I love to get in the box, make good runs, and and uh, you know, be creative with my movement and both. You know, with combination. And and my job is, I always say, to make you know Tiago better, to make Luis better. They they're they're incredible players, and the way their team's going to win is by them performing their best, and I can support them in doing that, and then make the team you know succeed. And I'm sure you know Tiago himself is is, is going to help you know other players score goals, and that's this what he does. So. Now, the assumption is once Yurigos' visa is approved and he joins the team and his fitness gets better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, he's going to become the starter. Now, Barry got used to this in Columbus when he was behind Zardis until he took over the starting role. 
but I wanted to ask, or I did ask him, how does he approach that kind of a situation? I mean, as a domestic player in the league, that's that's what you come to expect with, with, with designated players and that. But you know, your job is to be ready for when your name is called and to compete with them. And you know, I don't want to hand I don't want to hand him the job. Right. I, I, my job is to is to be as good as possible for the team. And I think I've been in that situation before uh, in Columbus. And I think you know, it's for me and Jossie. I think we both made each other better. And uh, you know, I, I hope I hope it's the same you know dynamic here. And, and I'm sure it is. George is so, so far when I met him, he's a great guy. So. Um, uh, my job is to compete and to make the team better and to make uh, Gonzalez's decision a lot harder. Now, having Miles Robinson back in the starting lineup was almost like having a new player after he suffered his ruptured Achilles last season. Saturday's game was his first meaningful action. He played in all but one of the preseason games. I thought that he looked really, really good. There was one moment where he got caught out by Ebbabise, but the rest of the time he stoned Cade Cowell who uh, you know is a fringe U.S. men's national team player, and and looked like his old self. I, I wrote about Robinson today. You can find it on my Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News. Now, here's him talking about how it felt to be back out there last week. It felt great uh, to be back out there. Um, just to get that one, you know, 90 minutes under my belt felt really nice. Uh, so I'm just hoping to you know build uh, confidence from here and just keep you know playing strong. And here's Robinson discussing what he thinks he can improve upon from week one to week two. Uh, yeah, hopefully we can keep a clean sheet. I think that's something uh, Gonzo has been preaching uh, for us all preseason is, you know, take pride in uh, keeping clean sheets. Um, so hopefully we can do that. Um, and just organization in general as a whole, if we can stay organized, I think uh, we'll have success. Robinson played all 90 minutes against San Jose. I was curious if, you know, it was harder to stay focused for 90 minutes or if the physical part was more difficult. And here's his answer. Yeah, I think there's a lot of emotions that kind of go into it when you haven't played um, in almost 10 months, uh, especially in front of, you know, a crowd like that. Uh, there's a lot of different emotions and um, things you, you can be thinking about. But as long as, you know, I try to stay present and understanding that I'm right here in this moment, this is where I wanted to be the last 10 months. So I'm kind of... Uh, I'm just grateful to be back, and um, I thought as long as I you know, stayed present, I was able to focus throughout the whole game. After that game, Brad Guzan, who also suffered a ruptured Achilles tendon last year, said he and Robinson kind of shared a special embrace because they've been doing the same rehabs for the most part for the past seven, eight months before they were able to get back into training, and just kind of what, was, what that was like from Robinson's point of view. Yeah, it was cool. I mean... Uh, yeah, like I said, it would definitely have been a different type of embrace if uh, we didn't win the game. But uh, just the fact that we could do that because, you know, we saw each other every single day for like 10 months, you know, doing the same type of exercises, feeling the same type of, uh, you know, pains and things like this. So, uh, just the fact that we could come out and actually uh, play back in the MLS is something that we've talked about for, you know, months. So the fact that we could do that in the home performance with a win was definitely uh, something special. San Jose manager Luchi Gonzalez talked about how the Quakes played a low block, either a 4-5-1 or 4-1-4-1 against Atlanta United. It's a tactic that a lot of teams have used. I expect that Toronto is also going to try to do that on Saturday. Here's Robinson talking about opponents playing a low block. Yeah, I think that's always kind of been the, uh, the case. Uh, no matter who we play, I think when they come to the bends, they kind of try to sit in. 
and we end up having uh, the majority of the ball, but it's just how we can break them down when they sit in or if they press, how we can break them down or if it's, you know, transitional moments, we can hurt them. Um, but I think we're all looking forward to the game. Here's Gonzalo Pineda talking about what he took away from Miles Robinson in his first game back. Well, first of all, just being back, and I'm sure it was an emotional game for him after so many days without that uh, environment. Um, so, so just just happy for him. And then on the soccer side, I think his timing was right. At times, the the last part to get ready for games is understanding that distance, right? The timing, the angles, especially as a center back, the angles are so important. At times when you miss a lot of games, that's the first thing you lose. So, um, I, I was happy. With, with that understanding um, I think he needs to yell out a little bit more because it's a different back four compared to what he was playing um, so so yeah but uh, very very happy with his performance yeah that was a good answer from, from Pineda and here's Pineda discussing what he thinks the team can improve upon from week one to week two well I think the positives are many I think uh, at times we take for granted to dominate in possession opponents. I think at times it feels like, oh yeah, it's natural. Like uh, we have more possession than the opponent. And I think that's not easy. Um, and uh, so that's number one. That's a good sign of us having a good mentality on, on trying to dominate the game, right? In the way we want. Then obviously we had some challenges against a low block and, uh, and, and that's what we were working on. How we can disrupt better, how we can create better patterns, how we can uh, understand better movements and uh, spaces on the field. And it's always a work in progress on that. That's being a footballer, understanding time and space. So it's always a work in progress, and, uh, but we are yeah, trying to send the right message to the players on understanding that. I'm going to be really curious to see what Atlanta United's shot selection is going to be on Saturday against Toronto. Against San Jose, I've written this. Y'all talked about it. We bantered back and forth on the Twitters. Atlanta United took 20 shots against San Jose. 16 were from outside the box. Those are typically low percentage, low probability, whatever phrase you want to use, shots. It's something that the team was trying to get away from because it took a lot of those last season. Pineda joked after the San Jose loss that you could probably add up all the shots they took from outside the box in all the preseason matches, and they wouldn't total as many as they took against San Jose. But if Toronto plays a low block, sometimes that's how you get it loosened up. Just take a shot, see if you can get a rebound. The problem is the shots have to be on goal, and most of those shots were not on goal from Atlanta United against San Jose. All right, when we come back, we're going to dive into the mailbag. Going to answer some questions about Miles Robinson, about Arahujo, about Girl Scout cookies, and about the best Law & Order episode ever. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food, and dining. Get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper, and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. And I really can't stress the good work that the paper does compared to the cost. There's a tenant rights bill going through the Georgia General Assembly right now that is a result of investigations done by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution into many of the apartment complexes throughout the metro Atlanta that aren't properly managed by the companies that own them. We've broken all sorts of news into this horrible accident with fatalities in, involving Georgia football program and, and those associated with the program. It's, uh, it's quite the bargain to know what's, what's really going on in the city, and I hope you'll take advantage of that. On to the mailbag. And I want to remind y'all, we do have voicemail capability for mailbag questions. That's 770-810-5297. Daniel, is, he's got the phone beside him 24 hours a day. He's ignoring his family. He's ignoring his favorite law and order shows just to answer your phone calls. So you've got to call 770-810-5297. Nick, friend of the podcast starts. Hi, Doug. Can we expect any changes to the starting group for this match? Well, I can't give you that. You've got to click on the links and that link will be posting in the morning. It'll be part of the scouting report at Landy United versus Toronto. I will tell you that I think there will be changes, but I'm not going to tell you what I think those changes are because you got to click on the link so I can get paid. All right. He continues, otherwise, what will we need to improve versus what will actually improve to not need two Galazos to win? Thanks for all you do. Well, thanks for always sending in good questions, Nick. What you'll need to improve, creating chances, making runs. If it's a low block, putting in good crosses to a target striker that is going to fight to win the ball. That's what you need to do better at. Defensive transitions can be a little bit better. Pineda gave a really long and interesting answer today about how the team works on even when it's a and even when it's attacking, it's trying to make sure that it keeps a good defensive shape in case they're to turn over the ball. The first San Jose goal uh, was a breakdown of of many of those things. It was a breakdown of formation. It was a breakdown of tactics. It was a breakdown of strategy, and it was a breakdown of decision making. And you put all them together, and it's a San Jose goal. So I would look for those two things against Toronto. Although I don't think you're going to see Toronto get out on the break too many times. They just they don't have the the capability, I don't think, for that. Todd says Almeida is out. Oh, sorry. Almeida is out probably in the summer window. He's using short sentences. With the roster limitations we have, what would a replacement candidate look like? Well, if the team sells Almada, then they can bring in another designated player. They can bring Moreno back if they wanted to. There's all sorts of possibilities. I don't I think the team will sell Almada. In the summer, I'm not 100% sure. He, he obviously helped himself with the two 
long range, fantastic goals against San Jose in week one. But it, you know, when it comes to that number 10 position, Atlanta United seems to have a profile that for the most part it likes. We've seen it time or at least three or four times now. I think that's the kind of player you'll see come in. Friend of the podcast, Henry, says, do you think Conway gets another chance to prove he still has something to offer? I don't think you're going to see him start against Toronto. Pineda doesn't like to change starters out too much, so we will see. I guess it depends upon what Pineda thinks between Conway and between Barry, which one has the better skill set to hurt Toronto. Henry continues, the team we saw versus San Jose created plenty of chances, but seemed to struggle to get in the box and put their shots on target. What indications are there, aside from a certain world champion, that this might improve against Toronto? It is funny. I tweeted this. Atlanta United scored two worldies that they absolutely needed to beat San Jose. Then you watch the Seattle game. Seattle scored four just scuffing, ugly goals to beat Colorado four to nothing. But the difference is Seattle put the ball in the box, put those crosses in behind the center backs, made people make decisions and mistakes were made. I'm curious if you'll see Atlanta United do a little bit more of that. DC United was able to beat Toronto by getting to the end line and putting in crosses. I think you'll try to see Atlanta United do that as well. Now, Henry continues, rank your top five Girl Scout cookies and explain why Samoas are the absolute best. Well, you're wrong. For starters, Henry, that is just the most crazy thing I've ever heard in the history of the world. Number one, they don't have Samoas anymore. They're called Caramel Delights. Number two, peanut butter patties are number one, followed by Caramel Delights, followed by Adventure Fools, followed by Peanut Butter Sandwich, followed by Caramel Chocolate Chip, followed by Thin Mint. Toastiers and Lemonades I could do without. Raspberry Rally I have not tried, but I'm very much looking forward to it. And again, I'm going to take a coffee sip here and offer you a chance to buy a bag of Doug coffee. Nobody took up my offer for a million in TAM, so now I'm going to uh, offer it for an international roster slot. If you're interested in trading me your international roster slot, just contact Daniel, and he'll make sure you get a bag of Doug coffee. It not only tastes great, but it comes with my smiling face on the bag. Chris asks, do you think Almada will be here for the full season? No. If he leaves, what will be the likely transfer amount? What is the record transfer fee for an MLS player? What was Miggy's fee? Thanks. Okay. Almiron is the largest transfer in Major League Soccer history. It was a reported $26 million to Newcastle. If Atlanta United gets something in that range for Almada this summer, I think they will sell. They would have to sell. You would be dumb not to sell. I was a little bit surprised that Almada was still here through the January transfer window, but we will see. Now, whether the team sells Almada will also depend upon how it feels about its chances to win either the League's Cup, which is also going to be the summer, and maybe U.S. Open Cup and definitely MLS Cup. If the team has good vibes about all of those things, it may decide to roll the dice and keep Almada into the January window. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fascinating. And it'll be interesting to see if they have to make a choice. Derek says, here's a question to ask if you think it's worthy of being asked. That was cumbersome. Uh, Gutman and Lennon will be in the box a lot together. And once the ball is lost, they have a mile to get back. Is it fair for the center back to cover three people? Well, this goes into what I was talking about just a few seconds ago about Pineda talking about defensive shape, even when the team has the ball and the fullbacks are bombing up the field, the center backs and, and maybe a defensive midfielder are the only three 
that are back. He talked about the need for communication, that the center backs don't get too spread apart, trying to defend those gaps on the outside. But if they come in, then there's gaps behind the wing backs. Personally, I would rather leave the back the gaps behind the wing backs than the ones in the middle of the field because simple geometry will tell you it's a shorter line from the middle of the field to the goal than it is from the gaps behind the wing backs to the goal. But they're working on that, and we'll see what it looks like against Toronto. Friend of the podcast, Adam, says, Listen to the podcast, arguably my favorite in a while. Well, thank you, Adam. Each one I do is my favorite. It's like the next game is always the most important. The next podcast is always the most important. He continues, I appreciate how you handle the mirrored takes. Hopefully you keep getting folks to listen and offering good questions to wit. Well, thanks, Adam. And I'll always offer good questions. With my self, no exception, it feels like there are a lot of different perspectives on what was and wasn't working. Thoughts on Conway and Abara seemed particularly polarizing. So what resource would you recommend, website, video, book, to help educate less knowledgeable fans about reading the flow of a match? Or what particular things would you tell people to look for during play to better read what teams are trying to do? I know I learned a lot more once they started coaching, but I'm always looking to learn and try to help newer fans of the game gain a better understanding. I don't know if I would point out anything specifically other than just keep watching soccer. Keep reading. Uh, you know, Matthew Doyle does a, a great job on MLSsoccer.com breaking down key moments in big games. Uh, Andrew Wiebe uh, and his guys do a great job uh, with their podcast, particularly with the refereeing decisions that are often made. You could pick up a lot watching EPL games. There are certain uh, analysts they have there that do a wonderful job breaking down sequences. Go on Twitter and simply ask guys like Taylor Twelman and Stu Holden questions. Sometimes they'll answer and give you good insight. There are fantastic books, Inverting the Pyramid, How Soccer Explains the World, that you can go and read. And some of it sometimes is just common sense. Uh, what I've discovered regarding Conway and Ibarra is a lot of people have notions that it doesn't matter how they play, those notions are not going to be changed. You know, Conway was getting hammered for his performance in the first half. If you go back and watch the game, Conway was making runs. No one was passing the ball. I don't know what else he's supposed to do. I incorrectly said twice that Abara should have followed Ebabise into the box on San Jose's first goal, and I was wrong. I was I specifically asked about they, that day to find out if I was wrong. I was wrong. Ebabise was not his man, and Abara played well. Now we'll see if, if both will continue in the next game. I don't know if Conway will start. I'm assuming Abara will start because Santiago Sosa is still suspended. But it's just the best thing I would tell you to do, don't go in with preconceived notions. Just watch, ignore the names, ignore the numbers, and just watch the player. If you think they play well, then chances are they played well. If you think they played poorly, chances are they played poorly. And preconceived notions are a problem, I think, for some folks. You know, a guy can have an average game and get a gigantically good rating simply because of his reputation. It's just, you know, human nature. Adam again says, Arahujo seemed to make poor choices in his, attack, in his attacks last night than he did against Toluca. I agree with that. I think he would agree with that. Struggling with his shooting confidence is one thing, but consistently dribbling into players is another. That was a problem last year too. Is this something Pineda and company are trying to address? Yes, I, I've written about this. It's one of the first things Pineda talked about in the preseason. They wanted to take fewer shots from long range, get into the box more, get into the primary assist zones more. Arahujo said he and Pineda had had many conversations, watched film together about shot selection and, and things like that. And Arahujo looked fantastic in the preseason, scored six goals. I don't think any of them came from outside the box. 
And then he kind of lost his head a little bit against San Jose. I think missing that penalty really kind of got into his kitchen a little bit. We'll see how he plays against Toronto. Adam continues, Atlanta's wide defending often got picked apart last night by a San Jose attack that's balanced but not overwhelming. Were the five-striped players getting out of position, or were they perhaps too compact by design? Despite having to recover a few times, I felt Gutman was a man-of-the-match candidate last night, however. So on San Jose's first goal, Gutman was out of position. He was too close to Parata, and then the two players stayed too close together throughout the sequence. So it was basically two guys defending one guy, which left a numerical advantage for San Jose. So there were some positioning issues. The team is working on those. We'll see if they take against Toronto. Friend of the podcast, Ren. I think this is the first time I've called him or her that. This is purely academic, but I've been thinking about the possibility of Caleb Wiley or Gutman playing as midfielders. Both seem capable at every position they find themselves in, and they're both very hard workers. Yeah, I don't I don't think that really fits their skill set very well. Um, I think you'll find both of them kind of getting into the box on attacks, but they're fast and, and they're tough, and it seems like being on the flanks is a better fit for them. So Law & Order is my drama. What's my sitcom? Many, many sitcoms I love. Modern Family, Frasier, Cheers, Seinfeld, Friends. Started watching MASH again a little bit, but it's almost a little too one-liney for me at this point in my life, if that makes sense. I enjoy the sitcoms that have layers of comedy, which is one of the reasons I love Frasier and Modern Family is you would have punchy jokes, but you would also have visual jokes. You'd have puns. You'd have kind of play on words that you weren't expecting in both both series. Matt says, there's been debate regarding if Almada will would leave during the summer, but what about Miles? His contract is up after the season, and he hasn't signed Atlanta's extension offer. Would Atlanta United sell him in the summer to get something instead of just losing him on a free transfer? Or is Miles being a draft pick instead of a purchase make it more palatable him leaving on a free? So catching y'all up on this, last year, Carlos Bocanegra, I think it was November, told us that after Robinson suffered his ruptured Achilles, they made him a contract extension offer or a contract or a new contract offer. And they were hoping by Christmas to hear from Robinson. Well, Robinson has not signed that. He told us in the preseason that it seems like he likely won't. He's going to allow the contract to run out. He's betting on himself to see what's going to happen. Now, the team, I think, smartly tried to keep him with that offer. Robinson is smartly going to try to just see what happens. Not having to have a team negotiate a transfer fee is one less hurdle for him to get to Europe if that's where he wants to go. I don't know if he's ever really said he wants to play in Europe. He just kind of takes it day by day, I think, is his approach. But I got to assume he wants to go to Europe. I thought he looked really, really solid against San Jose. There was one play that Ebbabisi got past him and he had to catch up. And if the right pass had been made, Ebbabisi probably would have scored a second goal. But the rest of the time, I thought Robinson was very, very solid. If he continues to play well, he'll rocket back up into the U.S. men's national team picture, which I know is very, very important to him. Now, turning to whether the team would try to transfer him this summer, I think they could, but the problem is every team knows he's in the last year of his deal. He'll be in the last months of his deal. So all they have to do is wait it out. Now, they could throw a couple million dollars at Atlanta United and say, hey, we'll give you $2 million now if you'll go ahead and transfer him just to try to make sure they don't get to a bidding war or a contract salary war with other teams for Robinson's service if he's even going to be coveted. He is going to be, I think, 26, uh, 25 or 26 this summer, which may be a little bit old um, for an MLS defender to go to Europe. 
but we'll see. Anyway, it's going to be, that's like Almada's, it's going to be very, very fascinating. Dave says, I've just found your podcast, so I've listened to it a grand total of two episodes. Well, two is better than none, Dave, so thank you. I'm very excited, he says. I think we're going to be friends, but only kind of in that stalker way where you don't know me, but I know everything about you. Not entirely, but only just kind of. It's all good, Dave. Two of the best friends I have right now are guys who just kind of introduce themselves to me. Anyway, I wanted to share my thoughts about the game last Sunday, Dave says. I love the way it ended, but I admit that it was 90 minutes of frustration. The thing that really got to me was how we approached the box. I saw someone, usually Almada or Arahujo, dribbling with a ball with as many as five options, and they never knew, knew what to do with it. It drove me nuts. And I think it's a coaching problem. I disagree on that. I think we have an amazing team and should contend for the cup and the supporter shield, but there's just not the unified sense of purpose about the team. Am I crazy? No, I think there's a unified sense of purpose, and I know the team works on these situations, but it's just the players have to execute. Uh, there were a couple of times in the game I mentioned runs by Jackson Conway, runs by Brooks Lennon, in which the ball wasn't played. I know Pineda wants the ball to be played. He said he wants the ball to be played, but it's not played. So it's just the players got to make the play. It's that simple. And then we're going to end with Joshua saying, what is the best law and order show in the entire franchise? I appreciate your coverage. I'm going to assume he means episode. So my favorite episode in the history of law and order was the original law and order season one, episode 17 called mushrooms in which two small children are shot to death in an apartment complex. It follows the typical law and order twists and turns. And the revelation is they were shot to death by another kid who was doing a job for a, a gang leader who wrote down the address on a piece of paper only to realize that the child didn't know how to read. He was like 13 or 14 and didn't know how to read. So he went to the wrong place and shot the wrong people. And it's a pretty moving episode, but that's my favorite episode in Law & Order. All right, we're going to wrap up this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. Again, I'm your host, Doug Robertson. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. You can follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. If you have a question about Atlanta United, please DM me or email me. We hope that you'll rate the show on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. Y'all take care. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein. And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities 
Atlanta's thriving art scene, and the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.